We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to the Pack a Day Podcast, everybody. My name is Tyler Grizzagoric. This is episode seven hundred and nineteen. Um, I can't believe we're approaching two years on this on this fantastic podcast. Something that Andy Herman has spearheaded from the beginning. But um, as I said, my name is Tyler Grizzagoric, and today I am joined by Gage Bridgeford. Today we're going to cover the. Uh, Top 10 lists being put out by ESPN and Jeremy Fowler. Uh, he polled some of the top NFL executives, and they're putting together top 10 lists for each position in the NFL. So far, they've gone through all of the offensive positions. Uh, they have yet to do defense, but we will talk about the defense as well. Uh, but basically, we're just going to talk about these lists, um, who's on them, who got snubbed, uh, some surprise names, and uh, we'll just kind of see where the conversation goes from there. Gage, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good, doing good, Tyler. Uh, been doing obviously Scott Fishbowl for those that follow fantasy. That kicked off in the last week, so I've been doing that uh, every day for the last week, working on some film stuff for 2021, just keeping myself busy. Yeah. So, what round are you guys in right now, or did you finish your draft? I we just started our 12th round. Oh wow! Like I've seen people who are like, "Yeah, we're done," and I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, we're we're in the 12th. Like 12th just started today." So. We're on the 21-22 turn right now. 
So yeah. uh, it's been, but it's been fun, uh, and this is a great opportunity actually to really give a shout out to Scott Scott Fish for that because that's just a tremendous thing that he's put together, and all the all the good that that does, and all the money that they raise for Fantasy Cares and Toys for Tots. Um, it's really a fantastic thing, and if you don't know a lot about it, um, head on over to scottfishbowl.com and read up on it because it's it's just. Uh, it's a unique experience. Um, it's a great way for guys like Gage and I to connect with others in the community. And uh, on top of that, it's just it's just fun. Everybody has fun, and um, that's really what you're looking for in fantasy. So, uh, without further ado, well, let's get started on these on these position groups. Uh, first up, we have quarterback, and I I don't think it's a surprise or a shock to say that Aaron Rodgers is on this list of top ten quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, I think he he was slated in at number three, uh, according to the top NFL executives. Um, this was a consensus thing. So the, I think it was 50, 50 NFL executives that were polled. Is that right, Gage? I believe so, yeah. he was, And he was the consensus number three. Like, um, they, uh, Jeremy Fowler said that he's, he's, number, he's number three, and then everyone else comes way after that. Whereas, like, some of the other position groups were really, really clustered together. The first sentence says he was number three and then everyone else was far away. Right. And so why don't you quickly go through the the list? Um, if you're looking to look at the list for reference while listening to our podcast, uh, the information can be found on ESPN.com. There's plenty of links circling, circling around on Twitter right now. Um, it is behind an ESPN Plus paywall. But uh, if you do have access to the content, feel free to follow along on the list there on ESPN. It's one of their main uh, features right now. But why don't you go through the list for us, Gage? So number one, no surprise here, like we talked about before we got started. Patrick Mahomes, uh, his lowest ranking was four, highest ranking one. I was surprised to see that it was lowest rank was four. I don't know who would think that. Number two, you had Russ Wilson for the Seahawks. Highest two, lowest ninth, which I think that's really low, but... Uh, I'm, I have no complaints so far. Um, Russ has been playing at an MVP level every year of his career. He just doesn't – I don't think he gets nearly the recognition that he should. Like we said, Rodgers was three. Highest ranking was two. He Neither him or Russ received a first-place vote, which I thought was kind of surprising. Um, his lowest ranking was seventh. Uh, so he actually had a higher average than Russ, but uh, Russ likely had more like second-place votes. Number four, we have Deshaun Watson uh, from Houston. Highest ranking third. Lowest ranking was 11th. I thought the 11th was really low, um, and I wish that we could get, like, a composite ranking to see kind of where these was, like maybe do it anonymously or something. But still, no complaints. Agree with him being four. This is the first surprise to me. It was Drew Brees at five. His highest ranking was second. Lowest ranking was 11th. Brees is good. He plays safe. He um, actually, for Scott Fishbowl, he's one of the top – QBs rated wise just because he takes care of the ball doesn't have turnovers um, high rate of completion stuff like that um, but behind that offensive line they have down there he's set to have a really good year uh, you had Lamar at six highest ranking was second lowest was 12th um, Lamar obviously far and away the MVP last year uh, just breaks NFL defenses kind of like Lamar Jack or kind of like Michael Vick and uh, Colin Kaepernick did both in their primes Um Kind of surprised to see him that low, but uh, maybe teams or, or executives just think he can't repeat that. Uh, number seven, we have Tom Brady, who his highest ranking was one, which um, I don't think he should be that high, but that's just me. His lowest ranking was 12. Um, Carson Wentz was eight, highest ranking of second, lowest ranking of 14. I think that's really low for Wentz, who 
when he's been healthy, I think he is uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Just that whole big when he's healthy aspect. Nine, Dak Prescott, uh, highest ranking four, lowest ranking 13. Similar to Wentz, but um, we haven't seen him win against the best teams as much, so I, I saw him a little more okay with him being a little lower ranking. And rounding out the top ten, we had Matt Stafford from Detroit, highest ranking of four, lowest ranking of 14. Uh, I like it. I think Matt Stafford has been great. I think if he had been surrounded by better teams, he would have a lot more success to this point in his career. Yeah, and I I think overall I do agree with the list for the most part. I mean, I, you mentioned Carson Wentz. I, I think eight is right about right for him. Um, when you start looking at some of the guys ahead of him, because who are you taking out uh, of the top seven to, to replace Wentz Brady. with? And it, I still think Brady is one of the most intellectually – Elite quarterbacks I, in the NFL. I agree with that, but Wentz has a better arm. Wentz has a better offensive line. He doesn't have the weapons, but um, I think Wentz is also an, a supremely intelligent player. I think that a lot of his injuries haven't necessarily been like him not being smart. I think they've been just freak injuries, like the clowny injury in the playoffs. That There wasn't anything he could do there. That was a dirty hit, and he got taken out. I think that Wentz is more set up for success this year in terms of his physical tools. I don't think Brady has an arm to maximize Mike Evans, which is one reason why I have Mike Evans lower ranked in fantasy this year. I just I think Brady has gotten to the point he is still supremely intelligent and he wins because he's so smart. I would just swap him one place. I wouldn't like drop him out, but I if you told me, hey, I'm gonna take Carson Wentz over Tom Brady this year, I'm not gonna fight you on that. Oh, no, and if we're talking about what Carson Wentz could be doing this year with the new weapons that the Eagles have added, Marquise Goodwin, Jalen Rager, uh, John Hightower, I feel like I'm missing somebody, but they added another receiver in there, I think. So the, with all the guys that the Eagles added this year, you would think that Carson Wentz is going to be in line for a good year, and I completely agree. And um, we'll see if Tom Brady is going to be a good fit in Tampa with Bruce Arians and where he's going to be ranked on this list next year because – I I don't know if he has the arm talent remaining to really maximize Godwin and Evans. However, I do think he's going to still be able to be very successful with both of them. Um, I think mostly because they're complementary receivers to each other, and I think that that's really going to complement um, Brady's ability to kind of scheme up plays at the line and really make adjustments on the fly and get, get the ball to where it needs to go and ultimately move that offense down the field. So I, I think that Tampa will be okay. Uh, Carson Wentz could have another MVP-like year this year um, if everything kind of pans out the way it should. Um, but I, I don't think there's too many surprises overall on this list. Maybe Deshaun Watson being a little bit higher than I thought maybe he deserved to be um, just because, I, yeah, he's super talented. Um, but... I do think that I'd rather have a couple other guys behind him just leading the charge for a one-year one year deal, one-year stint. So, um, But let's move on to uh, running backs. So, running backs. Yes. This is where, obviously, Aaron Jones was snubbed. Uh, everyone talked about it all over the, all over the past uh, few days, especially in Packers Twitter, just kind of saying, what do you want him to do? Led the NFL in touchdowns last year. Um, has more, one, didn't he lead the league last year in like yards per, like five, over five yards per carry as well as like most touchdowns or something like that. Something and it was like, like yeah. he was the whole list. I don't know what he needed to do. Um, over the past few years, he's consistently been one of the more productive backs when given lead back role. So I don't know. 
But we're going to get started here. Saquon Barkley, number one, I have no argument there. Uh, highest ranking one, lowest ranking six. I think Saquon is six. <laughs> okay. I again, that's that's <laughs> weird. that's weird to me, but I think he's just supremely talented. Uh, he's he's a special special player. If he can, if that high ankle sprain doesn't turn into something that he consistently has to deal with, he's a he's on course to be a special player. Number two, Christian McCaffrey. I think that those are the clear top two. Uh, his highest ranking was one, lowest ranking was four. So that was kind of that was kind of interesting to see there. Uh, I don't know who else you might be putting above him, uh, just like Saquon. But yeah, CMC with his ability to catch passes out of the backfield and run routes like a receiver, he's just he he firmly belongs in that two spot if he's not number one. Uh, three Zeke highest ranking one. This is interesting. Lowest ranking of eleven. I don't know. Which NFL executive he pissed off with his immaturity to get him ranked 11th, but that's what happened here. Then number four, we got AK41, Alvin Kamara, highest ranking of two, lowest ranking of nine. Um, he barely beat out Derrick Henry here, but I think it makes sense. Kamara gives you all the same stuff that you're getting with uh, CMC. Uh, he gives you great pass catching. He's not. He doesn't quite get the workload in the running game that CMC does, but that's just because of how uh, New Orleans likes to use him. I love him. I think he's extremely talented, and I think he, he's due for another big year as long as he stays healthy. Number five, like I said, Derrick Henry. Highest ranking of one. Uh, I thought that was really interesting to see. Uh, the fact that he got a first-place vote and Alvin Kamara didn't, just I think that that's probably He's got more of a old school mentality of just ground and pound and beat people up that way. His lowest ranking was ninth, which makes sense because he doesn't bring as much in the passing game. Number six, Dalvin Cook, highest ranking one, lowest ranking eight. Uh, the whole big story right now with Cook is that he wants the uh, wants a contract extension, and if I'm Minnesota, I don't want to pay him big money. He's dealt with injuries every year of his career so far. He suffered a torn ACL. He suffered a recurring so- shoulder injury. I'm not giving him big money, especially when Alexander Madison was effective as a backup. He wasn't a one-to-one replacement, but he was good. So I have no issue if you let him walk. Uh, Nick Chubb at seven, highest ranking of third, lowest ranking of 11th. Uh, Nick Chubb has grown a lot in the last couple of years. I remember uh, I drafted him in Dynasty his first year and traded him away right before he popped off, which still hurts to this day. Um, he is... He gives you a lot of the same stuff that you're going to get with Derrick Henry, but he's about 20 pounds lighter. Uh, he can break through arm tackles really well. He's got great long speed once he gets out of the open field. He kind of gives me some vibes of Jonathan Taylor, just not quite as fast. Uh, eight, Joe Mixon, highest ranking of four, lowest ranking of 14. Um, I think that 14 is really low. I think that that's probably hurt. Like That probably is factoring in the O-line, which still needs a lot of work in Cincinnati, but... Uh, he's a good pass catcher. He uh, has been productive. If I remember right, he led the NFL in rushing yards last year, or was close to it, maybe. Or no, he led the AFC in rushing yards, I think. So super productive. Um, he also wants an extension, So, but I don't know if he's going to get it because he's dealt with some stuff. So he's in a contract year this year. Nine, Josh Jacobs. Um, his highest ranking was seven. His lowest ranking was off the ballot. So through two position groups, this is the first guy that we've seen just not ranked at all. Um, one coordinator said that he'd be top five soon. He's never tackled by the first guy. He's got really good smoothness, and I, I agree. He's a better pass catcher than he gets credit for. He's got good power. 
Gutsaisi is only 22 years old. I like him. I think he honestly could have been ranked higher than ninth, but at the same time, I'm not going to nitpick it here. Rounding out top 10, Le'Veon Bell. Highest ranking of four, lowest ranking of 15. Um, the only thing holding him back last year was his uh, was the offensive line. It's the only thing holding him back. That and the offensive scheme is poor. And also the quick note, Bell and Aaron Jones were actually tied at the end of the voting. Jones had more top 10 votes. But Bell had the highest composite average and more top five votes. It had to add tiebreaker with ten new votes resulted in a Bell win six to four. So that's why Bell made it, Jones didn't. So yeah, very, very close. And um back to Joe Mixon real quick. Um I think actually Derek Henry led the AFC rushing yards. But Joe Mixon was probably a close second. Yeah. I the point is I I think Joe Mixon's still super talented and I he was definitely um I think him being a little bit lower on the list or having some lower um we'll say ballots, uh, definitely was a factor of that Cincinnati offense. Um, last year it was pretty barren in terms of just what they were able to do. And even if you go back and watch Joe Mixon from last year, the guy's making two or three guys miss three yards deep in the backfield and consistently getting back to the line of scrimmage to save the play. And that's just not something that a lot of guys can do. Um, so he's got he, he's got the elusiveness you want. He's got good power. Um, Joe Mixon is a equally dangerous receiving threat. I, I think that eight is good for him, but I also think that he could be a little bit higher. Honestly, um, I, I think that he's got a lot of talent, and we'll see if he gets a new contract with the whole all the uh, stuff about running backs right now and, and the, the battle that they're fighting for for longevity in the NFL. Um, it's tough because when I look at where Aaron Jones should be, I don't know. I don't know right now. I mean, who do you take off this list? I I don't Let know if I – okay, I think, yes, there's definitely a strong argument to take Le'Veon Bell off, but I don't know because, one, obviously it was very close as it was. I mean, it was – they had to go down to, like, the third tiebreaker to get Le'Veon Bell into the, into the list, but I don't – I think that in terms of raw talent – and in terms of what they can bring to an offense, I still think I would prefer Le'Veon Bell just by just by a slight margin, um, because I do think he's a little bit more refined and he's had a little bit less injury concerns. And I, I just think that the only problem with Le'Veon Bell ever was his holdout, his holdout stuff in Pittsburgh. And the Jets last year, I don't think is a fair indicator of what Bell is. We'll see if that changes this year. If he has another down year in New York, uh, maybe it's time to get off the Le'Veon Bell train, but I don't think I'm there yet. Okay, quick thing. He had no 20-yard runs last year, and he averaged 3.2 yards per carry. Come on. Right. No, and I, I'm just I, – I guess I'm saying I see the argument for Le'Veon Bell. Um, I don't – I just don't know. I think it is super close. and I, I think get it. The, I... But – I can hear the argument. I just don't. I just don't agree with it. I just. I don't think he was that good last year. I think that, like, yes, the offensive line was terrible, but I just. I think that Aaron Jones is better. He's younger. I think the Packers' offensive line is better. I think that he's more set up to have a good year. And also, uh, back to what I had said before, Joe Mixon did lay the AFC in rushing in 2018, not 2019. So that's where I had gotten those two confused. Okay. Um, well, and then uh, with. One quick question for the about Le'Veon Bell, Aaron Jones. Do you, so? Do you think if you took Aaron Jones and you just swapped him off for Le'Veon Bell, Aaron Jones would be just as, just as successful in that Jets offense, and Le'Veon Bell would be just as successful in the Packers offense? I think Bell would be more successful than he was in 
New York because the offensive line's better. I also think that Jones would be better in New York than um, than Bell simply due to the fact that Bell's whole rushing style is predicated on the patience. Like that's the thing that we heard preached about him every year since he really popped when he was younger is that he is patient in the backfield. He waits for the hole to open up. That doesn't work when you have a bad offensive line. Like his whole, th- he averaged, multi- like he had like the highest yards per carry on like after first contact or something like that because he was consistently getting hit in the backfield. When you go or like when when you have a bad offensive line, you got to get back to the line of scrimmage and you got to try and hit the hole as soon as possible. I think Aaron Jones knows how to do that. Aaron Jones dances a little too much for me at times, but he still knows how to just put his foot in the ground and go and try and get something. There's a reason he's averaged five yards per carry every single year, and it's not like the Packers are trotting out like the prime Dallas Cowboys offensive line. He understands the offensive line that he has, and he goes and makes yards happen when he needs to versus Bell will sit there and wait and wait and wait and wait. and You just can't do that when you have a bad offensive line. That's a matter of knowing the personnel you're playing with. That's a fair point, and I, you know, I think that maybe that's ultimately why running backs in general are probably undervalued in the NFL, just because a lot of their success is a lot of it is predicated for most players on the success of the offensive line and maybe even you know the passing game and setting up the running game and different different things that go into it. I think there's different ways to scheme running backs um, into production um, other than just being a talented player, and so. Uh, what I wanted to look up real quick was the career yards per carry. Um, just for reference here, Le'Veon Bell is sitting at 4.2 on the career at a career low 3.2 last year. And Aaron Jones is currently sitting at 5 flat at 4.6 last year. So What was Le'Veon Bell averaging? Like, what was his lowest average before last season? So in Pittsburgh, uh, it was 3.5. So 3.5, uh, okay. In Pittsburgh, he averaged 4.3 yards per carry. So, um, that, I mean, it's still above average. I mean, it, maybe you could say he was just getting a ton of work. He was getting a, the workload. But I, I do think that, um, in terms of, if I need a guy to get a yard, you said that you don't think that Le'Veon Bell is going to just put his foot in the ground and fall forward and get, you know, those two, three yards, whatever it is. I disagree. I think that that is actually a, where Le'Veon Bell would be better than Aaron Jones is those short yardage situations because I do think that he can find that little hole and just honestly get the yard because that's something that he was really excelling at in Pittsburgh uh, was just not taking losses. And it it sucks in New York because I, I don't think we can make a fair assessment of that ability of his um, because of how poor the offensive line is. I mean, I don't care who your running back is. is if, if he's getting hit in the backfield two yards deep consistently, he's not going to be successful. Now, you say you won't get the short yardage, even though Aaron Jones last year had 16 touchdowns on the ground and three in the air. I understand that those weren't all short yardage situations, but the, the guy knows how to get the, knows how to get to the end line. Like, he knows how to get those yards. I don't understand how Green Bay is still the worst team in the NFL when it comes to short yardage. Like, this is something that has remained true literally for as long as I can remember. Whereas some teams, like, it's fourth and one, they're going to get it. And then I feel like Green Bay, anytime I see them in third and one or fourth and one, I'm like, I don't have a ton of faith that you're actually going to make this happen. I don't know if that's just me, but. Well, I think, um, you know, just like the executive showed, I think we could debate this all day. 
and I think that's yes, obviously gonna, it's going to come down come down to splitting hairs. Um, and yeah. maybe maybe at the end of the day, Aaron Jones does deserve to be number ten on this list, but ultimately he's probably ten point five. And I yeah yeah. So um, it, we could split hairs all day, but let's move on to wide receivers because I think that this is where we can have a little bit more conversation um, about these rankings. So why don't you go over those real quick? All right, Julio Jones, number one. Uh, he had more than half of the votes for number one, and so it was not close. Number one and lowest ranking of seven, which I don't know which NFL executive put him at seven. It's ridiculous. Michael Thomas, number two, highest ranking one, lowest ranking of six. Makes sense there. Uh, somebody's probably like, he doesn't create down the field, so that's his issue. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, highest ranking one, lowest ranking six. Um, I kind of get that. That makes a little bit more sense, but I still don't know how you're putting him that low. OBJ, number highest ranking of one, lowest ranking of ten. Having a highest ranking of one for Odell is pretty surprising to me. I don't know how you're going to put him that high. I think he's still supremely talented, but I just I don't know if I would put him that high. I also wouldn't put him lowest ranking of ten. So I like his overall position of four. I think that makes sense to me. Tyreek Hill, highest ranking of three, lowest ranking of eleven. Um, that downfield speed really is just, you can't, you can't recreate that. He's just got stupid. He's stupid fast. Uh, his lowest ranking of 11 just probably comes down to someone saying that he's not like, he only is good for downfield and he just makes sense because he's in the perfect offense with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Mike Evans, that comes in at number six, highest ranking of one, lowest ranking of 12. Um, I understand that Tom Brady being there is good because Tom Brady's a good player and he takes care of the ball, but I think it's going to hurt Mike Evans this year, and it makes me sad because I think Mike Evans has been one of the best pass catchers in the NFL since he's entered the league. Uh, Devontae Adams comes in at number seven. Got a highest ranking of one, lowest ranking of 12. So he's basically identical to Mike Evans, uh, and they said the Heat lost a tight race. Like It was basically like one or two votes different. Uh, Devontae, supreme route runner. We all know him. We all love him. He's great. Uh, Keenan Allen comes in at number eight, highest ranking of two, lowest ranking of ten. Um, I like that he's getting some respect on this list here. Uh, he deserves it. He's been super consistent since he like since he dealt with those early injuries. He's just been great every year. Uh, love seeing that he like gets represented well on this list. Chris Godwin comes in at number nine, highest ranking of four, lowest ranking of off the ballot. That's that's ridiculous to me. The guy was one of the best receivers in the NFL last season. He catches everything thrown his way. He's got great speed. He is, he's got good size, plays the slot well. It just, that's ridiculous seeing him that low. Rounding out the top 10, Mark Cooper, highest ranking of five, lowest ranking off the ballot. I kind of get him being left off the ballot for some people because some people don't like the fact that he's got drop issues and he can disappear at times. Like he's got games where he'll explode and then games where he goes off, but the guy's 26. He's got great route running skills, if not the best route runner in the NFL. He's like top three. So um, I, I, I'm okay with him being 10. I wouldn't put him anywhere else. And then the first honorable mention, just to have it in there, Stefan Diggs. Don't agree with that. I'm glad he didn't make the top 10. I, I would have I had problems. Um, but, yeah. it, you know, the most interesting thing to me when you start looking through these different different names on this list is that there's just different types of receivers in here. Um Let's just start at Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is probably has the best release in the entire NFL. I think that I don't think that's far fetched to say. I do believe that that's where he makes his money is right at the line of scrimmage. Uh, if 
not saying that he can't win after he loses at the line of scrimmage, which is pretty rare, but that's definitely where he makes his money and where he and Aaron Rodgers definitely have that connection is go ahead and win that battle one-on-one at the line with your corner, Devontae, and I will put the ball in a place for you to make a play. They do it all the time, and I honestly think that that's... That's why he's such a, a successful NFL wide receiver. He's not the he's not the best athlete. Uh, he could jump through the roof, but he's not super fast. He's not the most agile. Um, you know, just in terms of looking at other NFL receivers, but he gets the job done because he's very technical. His footwork is top notch, and his release is the best in the game, in my opinion. And then you got then you got a guy like Mike Evans who simply wins with athleticism and physicality. Um, same thing with Julio Jones. Um, like Julio Jones is. It's probably the best wide receiver, the most talented wide receiver in the NFL right now. I think Odell Beckham is the second most talented, but I do like his slot at four because of some of the other concerns. Um, I think Keenan Allen is probably the best route runner in my opinion. I think that there's a couple other guys you can make arguments for, like Amari Cooper, but I do think Keenan Allen is the best route runner in the NFL right now. And then you have some of the other, the other guys that rounded out the top five. Uh, they're just the best blend of all of this, the athleticism, the physicality, and the route running skills um, with the consistency. I do think Odell Beckham probably has the most problems out of that top five um, when you start looking at the guys, but it, he's just so darn talented, and it's hard to really ignore that. So I, I do like his spot at four. I like the, I like the list overall. Um, what, what were your thoughts, at, you know, as a whole on the list. I, I don't know if I can complain. Like, I might bump Chris Godwin up. Uh, I might bump Devontae Adams up. But the problem is, I don't know who I would bump them over. I don't have any complaints as far as number one. Uh, like, number one, two, three, I'm okay with all of them. Like, I might bump OBJ down a bit, but at the same time, when he's on, he's on. There's just... The, this whole list, like, wide receivers one of the deepest positions in the NFL right now, if not the deepest position. There's so many good guys on it that can be wide receiver ones on any given week. And it's just, it's a problem for NFL defenses to deal with. I had, I'll nitpick things on this list, but at the same time, I think that everyone is in the place they should be. I think Devontae Adams is a top five wideout, but I also, I'm not going to nitpick with him being seven with the guys that are in front of him on the list, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. I think, Ultimately, when you get into these types of discussions, like I said with Aaron Jones and Le'Veon Bell, you're splitting hairs. And ultimately, I think it's going to boil down to what type of wide receiver best suits your quarterback and your style of play uh, with your offense. And honestly, maximizing that skill set and talent within your scheme and uh, the offense as a whole. So I I like the list a lot, and I think seven is still a great honor for Devontae considering some of the names he's above. But I definitely think that's that's pretty fitting for him. So... um, Let's move on to tight end. This will be the first list, uh, no surprises here, that does not have any Packers mentioned at all. So why don't you go through the list of top ten tight ends for us? Number one, uh, so quick note, Jeremy Fowler said in the intro to this piece that this is the most, uh, like this was the most hotly contested debate, uh, was the top two. Number one ends up being George Kittle for San Francisco. Uh, he wins out over, uh, the guy will come in next, lowest ranking was third. No, no doubts there. Like it at the tight end position, there's there's like three guys and then everyone else. Uh, number two was Kelsey again, top ranking one, lowest ranking third. No doubts there, makes sense. Uh, great pass catcher. I think 
the reason Kittle wins out is because he's more he's a better blocker and he enjoys blocking. Like I know we've if you haven't seen the clip of him laughing when he like pancakes a quarterback, you need to go watch it. It's pretty hilarious. Uh, number three, right, so rounding out the top three is uh, you got Zach Ertz from Philly. Uh, his highest ranking was three. His lowest ranking was six. Makes sense. Still one of the best. Like just like it makes sense. Uh, Ertz was number three or four on most ballots behind Kittle and Kelsey. Uh, he's led the like he has most tight end targets over the over the last two years. He runs good routes. Uh, you can't cover him with a safety because he's too big. You can't cover him with corner again too big. You can't cover him with a linebacker because they're just not fast enough. He's just he's just a problem for everybody. Number four, Gronk. I don't think Gronk should be this high, but he is. No. Highest ranking of one, lowest ranking of seven. We will debate that one later. Darren Waller comes in at five, highest ranking of four, lowest ranking of 11. Uh, I personally am down on Darren Waller this year. I think he's succeeded mostly on volume more than anything. I'm not taking away his talent. 6'6", 255, uh, 40 of 4.46 coming out of college. That's great. But I think that he succeeded last year because there was no one else to throw the ball to. Um, and he is just, and I think he's due for a big regression this year. Mark Andrews comes in at six, highest ranking of five, lowest ranking of 12. The big thing, big knock on Andrews is going to be just the fact that his touchdowns aren't going to be replicable this year. He like had like a fifth of his touch, of his catches last year were touchdowns. I don't think he's going to do that again, but still think he's great. Uh, number seven, Evan Engram. Here's something interesting. Highest ranking of one. He was the fourth tight end to get – he was the only other tight end outside of the top three that got a first-place vote. His lowest ranking is 13. The only issue with Ingram since he's come into the league has been injuries. If he can stay healthy, he is a legitimate top-five tight end, and he could make a push for third over Zach Ertz if he's healthy. That is, is the only knock on him. Hunter Henry comes in at eight, uh, highest ranking of five, lowest ranking of 13. You're starting to get into there's a little bit more variance at the tight end position just because, like, it's – like there's a clear top group and then everyone else kind of falls in place. Uh, great in the red zone, but um, he doesn't bring you a ton of like downfield ability. Like in terms of his running, he's not the fastest guy. Austin Hooper comes in at nine, uh, highest ranking of four, lowest ranking of 14. He really is your seam threat, but I don't think he's going to be as productive in Cleveland just because I think that they're going to try and run the ball more. So I understand him being nine. Jared Cook rounds out the top 10, highest ranking of five, lowest ranking of 13. Uh, he was among four tight ends receiving significant votes for this spot, but enough people placed him in the top eight because at age 34, he's still a significant downfield threat. Yeah, I think my biggest, my biggest problem is, uh, with Gronk. You know, you don't, I don't think it's responsible to put a guy who retired and just came out of retirement, has yet to play a snap out of retirement in the top four. I just don't think that that's responsible in terms of evaluating the player. Um, yes, Hall of Fame tight end, no doubt. But um, in terms of going into the year, I don't know if he is a top 10 tight end yet. Uh, we'll see if he can recover um, from being out of football for the past year. So um, Darren Waller, I disagree. I actually think he's going to be in line for a similar year. He had a great year last year, uh, had over 100 targets. I don't remember the exact numbers, but he had over 100 targets. Uh, it was just highly efficient on those targets, too. I, I, they locked him up. Um, the Raiders did. So I think that they see him as part of their receiving future. Um, I still think he's the wide receiver one. 
in in uh, Oakland. I still think he's going to get the most targets out of anybody. I think the addition of Henry Ruggs on the outside is actually going to open things up for him in the middle, and I think he's going to have a little bit more space to operate. Um, I mean, he's basically a wide receiver playing tight end anyway, so let's see if he can really develop that blocking game. I mean, not that he's terrible. He really did make good strides last year in it, um, but he's not on, on the level of some of these guys like Kelsey and Kittle. Those guys are just on another in another stratosphere with their uh, blend of blocking and receiving skills. Um, it's There are the clear-cut two, and I think, honestly, Ertz is in his own tier, and then you have everybody else. The guy but, yeah. He had 117 targets last year. Mm-hmm. He caught 77% of them. them. Right, I think he can That's do it again. That's Michael Thomas of catching the ball. I think he can do it again. I do. I mean, I saw. I, I saw think some... he could, but I don't think he's gonna, he's going to get that many targets. They've add, they added like seven pass catchers this offseason. I think they added two that would be that would be infringing on his targets. That's Rugs and maybe Edwards. I don't know of anybody else. Um, maybe Lynn Bowden out of the backfield and take a couple, but I still think he's gonna. I still think he's gonna have darn near 100 targets. I still think he's gonna be able to have that high catch rate. Uh, maybe he gets a couple more touchdowns with the offense moving the ball a little bit better. I, I honestly think that the addition of Ruggs is only gonna help Waller, um, and Edwards still has to come in and and make a name for himself as well. Even though I, I'm a big Brian Edwards guy, but those those two guys are gonna be rookies. Rookie wide receivers historically struggle. Uh, you rarely get guys that come in year one and, and, and really make a strong impact in your offense. Um, and I, I do think that Ruggs is going to be a good wide receiver. I still think that Waller is the wide receiver one in Oakland this year, and I think he's going to be um, – I think he'll he'll end the year with the most targets on the team. Yeah, that's all. So um, Waller. And then Engram. Yeah, Engram is a guy that I've actually been super high on since he entered the league out of Ole Miss. And if he can just stay healthy, he would be up in that conversation. He'd be up in that conversation for top four, top five, um, probably right behind Ertz, uh, if not ahead of Ertz. I think Ertz probably offers you a little bit better blend, blend of blocking and receiving, so maybe that gives him the edge. But Engram, when he's on and when he's healthy, he's one of the best receivers in the NFL um, in terms of what he can offer you, uh, mismatchability out of the slot, uh, in line. Um, with the, against a corner with a size or against a linebacker with a speed, um, He's one of the best mismatched pieces that you can have in today's NFL. So uh, I think I don't think I have any other problems with the eight through ten on the list. I mean, it's negligible to me. I just don't not that big a deal. Uh, I think that really the argument is top seven is where you can really have the discussion about these guys. One last word on tight ends, and then we'll move on to the next position group. If you put Evan Engram at five, Darren Waller at four, and Gronk at seven, would you be happier with the list? I don't think Gronk should be on the list at all right now. Yo, wow. I don't because he hasn't played football in a year. Okay, so yeah. among the also receiving votes category, you have Higby, Dallas Goddard, Jonu Smith. I'm not even going to mention Kyle Rudolph because he is not good. Gerald Everett and Noah Fant. Who would you put on the list over Gronk? Oof. When you put it that way, maybe he slides in at 10, but like, Nope, you got to pick one. You said he shouldn't be on the list. Who's yeah, not know, on the list? I'm trying to think right now. So that way I can get clickbait and put it out on Twitter. <laughs> it's probably Goddard, but okay, you heard it here, folks. Goddard is better than Gronk. No, that's not what I'm saying. That's what exactly I'm saying. what he said, word for word quote. 
Um, I just think it's really hard to put a guy on the list who hasn't played football in a year. That's my only thing. And like, I want to see him play at least a snap before I'm telling, before I'm saying he's a f- top five tight end in the NFL again. Because he, That's fine. he, he lost all the football weight and then he supposedly regained it. So I, what does that mean he's back in football shape? I, I don't know. Like that, that's my only thing. First battle Hall of Famer, but I don't think he's a top 10 tight end right now. So, but he's worse than Dallas Goddard. Got it. Anyway, I'd rather have Dallas Goddard. Next, going we have here. to your offensive lineman. We're going to cover. Okay. We're going to, we're going <laughs> to go to interior offensive lineman next. We got Quentin Nelson one. Uh, we have a Packer mentioned, but we do not have a Packer on the list. Quentin Nelson comes in at one, lowest ranking of three. I need to find the executive that put him at three and fight them because Quentin Nelson is the best interior offensive lineman in the game. It is unquestioned. Anybody else that says otherwise can just take a walk. Zach Martin. Zach Martin comes in at – I'm putting Zach Martin at 1.5, okay? Quentin Nelson's better because he's younger. Quentin Nelson is five years younger, and he is just as good, but he's better. Anyway. Zach Martin comes in at two, highest ranking of one, lowest ranking of four. Again, he should not be ranked lower than two. Brandon Scherf comes in at three. Brandon Scherf, highest ranking of two, lowest ranking of five. I don't know who put him over either Quentin Nelson over Zach Martin. It's wrong. He's great. He's awesome. But he's he's not been better than either of those two guys in any of his years yet. Number four, we have David DeCastro from Pittsburgh. Highest ranking of three, lowest ranking of 11. Um... That's good. That's not bad. I don't have a complaint there. Uh, I think he's been he's been all pro for two, like he's been all pro twice. He's been to five Pro Bowlers. Uh, it wasn't his best year last year, but I mean he's older and the offensive line has just gotten worse, so that's gonna naturally take him down a little bit. But he still had a great year. Uh, number five, Joe Thune, making fourteen million dollars, so I'm sure he uh, is thoroughly enjoying himself right now. Highest ranking of five, lowest ranking of fourteen. Uh, it'll be interesting to see him without Dante Scarnecchia, but um, he still had a 97.3% pass block win rate last year. That's pretty good for those of you uh keep track at home. Rodney Hudson comes in at six, highest ranking of six, lowest ranking off the ballot. He's never been, and he never will be, one of the like highlight guys and the big-name guys that gets recognition around the league, but the executives give him the recognition he deserves. He's He's great. Uh, he's been super consistent every year. Like, uh, for those that trust PFF, he's been like a top five interior offensive lineman basically every season. I have no complaints with him being at six. Seven, Joel Batonio, highest ranking five, lowest ranking off the ballot. Um, he's pretty good. Uh, he's been really consistent, similar to Hudson. Not the biggest name, but he's shows up every week, does good work. Um, if you ever want to see a good guard, good guard play, go watch him, especially last year playing next to, uh, Greg Robinson. He had to carry a lot of that workload. Eight is Jason Kelsey. This is a, we got a center on the list now. Um, he's the, many voters have had him as the top Kelsey. He's getting a little older at 32, highest ranking five, lowest ranking 13. So he's a little on the older side, but still produces at a high rate. And it'll be interesting to see him play this year with uh, Brandon Brooks out for the year with that torn Achilles. Number nine, Ryan Kelly, second Colt on the list. Uh, this is obviously the first position group where we've had two players from the same team. Uh, he's been he's highest ranking of eight, lowest ranking was off the ballot. Um He's super talented. Or he's super intelligent. When he came into the NFL, 
Uh, there was people like I live in Indiana for those that don't know. There was people that were like, wow, I can't believe we took a center. What are we doing? And I'm like, you're stupid. You have dra- you drafted Jeff Saturday, but he's bigger and he's just as smart. So, um, he is the quarterback for that offensive line. Him and Quentin Nelson are a nasty duo and they do amazing work inside. Rounding out the top 10, Marquise Pouncey, highest ranking five, lowest ranking off the ballot. Um, until otherwise, he's still one of the the NFL's best centers. Um, him and DeCastro are a great group. Uh, they just maul people in the running game, uh, and he's calling the shots there and doing a great job of it. Uh, honorable mentions, we have five guys, or six guys, uh, seven? Man, Elton Jenkins was way down there, but he did get a mention. Uh, great football IQ, graded high, according to an AFC exec. You got guys like Brandon Linder, Ali Marpet, Cody Whitehair, Saffold, Eric McCoy, and Brandon Linder are the guys that are ahead of him in honorable mentions. He, to be on here as a second year guy, that's pretty, that's pretty high praise. Uh, like he wasn't even the starter coming into the year. He was expected to be the backup and then he won the job within the first three weeks of the season. So. No, technically a rookie, you know, this is a rookie who came in and really just blew everybody out of the water. Um, mm-hmm. so it, it, for him to be on this list is just incredibly high praise. Um, I expect, I expect to see him probably in the top 10 if he keeps, if he keeps progressing the way that he has so far. Um, not a ton of qualms with this list. I think this, this list is pretty good for the most part. Um, start getting into the, you could talk, talk me into probably five or six different guys for that 10 spot. Um, I think Jason Kelsey's a better center than Rodney Hudson, but, that's just me, personal opinion. Um, I think I'd rather have Kelsey. So, um, other than that, I, I don't. I, I think this is a pretty solid list of the top ten interior offensive linemen, um, a position that probably gets underappreciated most of the time. Um, it does. So, we're going to move on to tackle. Not a ton of time spent on interior offensive linemen. Also, uh, the only reason I wouldn't take Jason Kelsey over Rodney Hudson is just because Hudson's a little like he's younger and he's uh, a little bigger. Uh, so I think it's a little easier. Like Kelsey's got a good anchor and he doesn't get bowled over easily, but, uh, it's a little easier to move him than to move, uh, Rodney Hudson, who's just bigger guy. That's just, just kind of going, that's what I would do there. I, I think that I just, I think I'd take Kelsey because I think that he is a quarterback within a quarterback of the offense. Um, I do think that he really coordinates that offensive line, um, for the Eagles. I, I, I I don't know where they would have been without him the last few years. I don't know if that, that Eagles offensive line is as good as it is without him coordinating um, and really setting up assignments uh, for Carson Wentz. I think that he is doing what a center is really supposed to do, which for the other four guys on the offensive line, their job is to primarily block and create holes or block and keep the pass pro good for the quarterback to make a play. The center is also responsible for helping the quarterback make reads and setting up the offensive line for success. And I think that's where ultimately where Kelsey is going to – he does thrive. And I'm not saying that Hudson doesn't. I just think Kelsey is better at it. I'm not going to nitpick you there. Like I'm – Yeah. Like my that's just my personal opinion would be Hudson over Kelsey, but I wouldn't fault anyone for taking Kelsey over Hudson. Moving on to tackles. This is where I have some debates and qualms, and we will get to them when we get to them. Tyron Smith comes in at number one, highest ranking of one, lowest ranking of 11. Um, 
he committed five holdings, gave up one sack last year. He's dealt with injuries basically every year, but uh, people are still ranking him number one. Number two, Laramie Tunsil, uh, who just broke the tackle market with his $22 million deal. Uh, Bill O'Brien remains an elite GM. Uh, highest ranking of one, lowest ranking of 10. Great player, definitely overpaid. Uh, Trent Williams comes in at three, highest ranking of two, lowest ranking of six. This kind of, I'm gonna go with the Gronk argument here of this guy didn't play for a full year and you're gonna rank him as the third best tackle in the game. Cool. Um, number four, Ronnie Stanley. Uh, highest ranking of one, lowest ranking of 11. Uh, he has been really good as left tackle. Obviously, he was the guy that was taken over Laramie Tunsil in that, uh, the gas mask draft. So, he's been, he started a little slow, but he's gotten a lot better as the years have gone on, and he had his best year as a pass blocker, so playing in an, in an offense that emphasizes the running game more than the passing game is probably perfect for him. Number five, Teron Armstead, highest ranking of two, lowest ranking of eight. Uh, been one of the NFL's best left tackles over the last few years. Great pass blocker, uh, gives you a perfect guy to protect Breeze's blind side. Love the player. Um Love his athleticism, love his ability on the move, and uh, him and a guy we'll get to here in a second are might be the best tackle duo in the in the league. Number six, Lane Johnson, highest ranking of three, lowest ranking of twelve. If Lane Johnson did not have the PED issues on his record, I think he would be higher than having a lowest ranking of twelve. Uh, great run blocker, uh, awesome pass blocker, super strong, um, just great, just a great player from top to bottom. Does everything well. Number seven, Green Bay. Green Bay Packers tackle David Bakhtiari. Highest ranking of two, lowest ranking of ten. So there was a log jam from three to six that kind of pushed him down. Uh, didn't get as many top three nods as the players ahead of him, uh, but he has been arguably the best left tackle in the NFL over the last few years. He doesn't get any all-pro votes, doesn't get to be on those teams, but I don't know what else the guy can do. He could clean up his probably run blocking a little bit, but he's still been a great pass blocker, like the best pass blocker in the NFL among left tackles. Now, I mentioned him a little bit ago. Ryan Ramchak, New Orleans Saints. Uh, he's been probably the best right tackle in football for the last since he entered the NFL. Just been great. Uh, I love watching him play. Former Wisconsin guy. Uh, great run blocker. Uh, great pass blocker. He became the first Saints tackle since Willie Rope to make to associate all press all pro teams so he's just if you ever around second uh third let's see what third rater we've talked about today fourth rater highest ranking of three lowest ranking of 15 uh super super big player six eight three eighty is what he's listed at um he is basically what the jets are hoping um they're going to get out of makai becton He's a mountain of a human being. Uh, he struggled a little bit uh, a couple of years ago, but he really turned it on last year, had a really strong year from him, um, and hopefully he can produce that again. Rounding out the top ten, you had Taylor the Wan uh, from the Titans, highest ranking of two, which that seems really high to me, but um, I, I don't know, lowest ranking off the ballot. Uh, <laughs> wow. I, yeah, I don't know. That's a pretty big spread. Which yeah, talking about volatility, like, my goodness. Yeah, that's, like, that's really far. <laughs> also, uh, Brian Bulaga did not get a vote for whatever reason, and Mitchell Schwartz got snubbed. Mm. Per, that's who, per that's who should be on the town. Top per, right there. 
per an NFL defensive coach, he doesn't pass any eyeball test, measurables, or numbers. He's just so effective. Off the charts in terms of football IQ, hard to put him in the elite category. So basically the reason he didn't do it is because he got his job done, and I hate that that continues to be a thing. Yeah. I hate that players get knocked because they're not elite. Like, a guy gets his job done. Quit being mad about it. That's why I had Andrew Thomas ranked as my top tackle in this year's class. I, I, he wasn't, he wasn't the biggest, wasn't the fastest, wasn't the strong, wasn't any of that stuff. But the guy gave you consistent level play over and over. And that's what Mitchell Schwartz does. He shows up every week, gives you great play every single week. And if you can't respect that, then you're bad at your job. <laughs> no, I think that he definitely replaces Luan, but once you take Luan out of the, li- the list, I think that the top 10 is pretty solid. You can move guys up and down all around. Maybe Laramie Tunsil's a little bit higher than he's probably deserves to be at the moment. Um, but uh, overall, I think the top 10 is pretty good. Uh, once you, once you substitute Schwartz for Luan. So, um, we could debate where these guys belong all day. I think that Bakhtiari might be a little bit higher on the list if he did have a down year last year. Um, but even his down year is still a top five, top five, top five left tackle, you know, type season. So, that, that's that's really saying something. It's, it's similar to Aaron Rodgers, just going back a little bit, and his down years are still top five in the NFL. You know, so it, when you when you reach those elite statuses, um, it, it's it's it becomes tougher to really find the negatives between the guys. But so you have to really highlight some of the probably things that you don't want to like having one down year on your resume. Um, the fact he doesn't have any All Pros is not necessarily his fault. Um, I just think the list is good, solid. Once once you put Schwartz in there, yeah, I, I agree that like Schwartz, like Schwartz would complete the top ten for me. But I also I have issues with just how the rankings are done. Like, um, I think that Bakhtiari is too low. I think that Ramchek's too low. I understand he's a right tackle, but like we talked about before this started. Right tackles don't get the respect they deserve. Left tackles get overrated. That's why you have Laramie Tunsil and Tyron Smith up there. Tyron Smith had a down year, dealt with injuries. Laramie Tunsil had like a false start penalty every single week, it seemed. He was great at winning pass blocks, and he gets boosted up because the rest of the Houston Texans offensive line is so bad. But just because a guy plays at the left tackle spot doesn't automatically make him more valuable than a guy who has been an elite right tackle. Ramchek has been an elite right tackle. He does everything right. He's a good pass blocker, great run blocker. He does everything you want. And that's so that's just my major argument here is just because you're a left tackle shouldn't automatically put you over somebody else who has excelled at their position. Nope, I completely agree. Um, and for the sake of time, we're going to quickly fire through this last part of the, uh, recording. So the defense has not yet been done on ESPN. Um, that will be coming out the week following this, this recording. Um, so be sure to listen, listen to this and then check out the, uh, the release of the articles throughout the week. But so what we were going to do for defense, since we don't have an actual list to review yet, um, just quickly go through and discuss whether or not a Packer should be on the top 10 list for these positions. Um, so let's just start with off-ball linebacker. Definitely not, <laughs> uh, considering the guys that they are trying to patch in right now. 
Um, the band-aids they're trying to apply to the position, they definitely do not have a top 10 off-ball linebacker at the moment. I don't think there's any kind of, any kind of conversation we can really have about that. Um, so let's move on to safety. I don't think they have a top 10 guy. If they were to have a top 10 guy, I think it would be Adrian Amos. I don't think he's going to make that list. I definitely don't. Um, but what would you say here? I think that Amos is going to run into the same issue that Mitchell Schwartz just did. He's good. He does his job, but he's not great at any one thing, and the executives are going to be mad about that. Earl Thomas is going to be ranked number one, even though he's not the number one safety in the league. So, Nope, I completely agree. And let's move on to corner. Jair Alexander. Jair needs to be on the list. If he's If he is not on the list, it's wrong. The guy is sticky in man coverage. He gets a little aggressive at times, but I would rather have a guy that's too aggressive than have a guy that's too passive. Um, his speed's great. He can stick with guys on the outside. He can shadow him in the slot, which automatically bumps him over certain other corners in the league that don't go into the slot or don't travel to both sides of the field. So Jair needs to be on the list. He might not be top five, but he needs to be top ten. I think he'll be an honorable mention. And the reason I think he'll be honorable mention is wow. because – because he needs to finish plays. Until he can do that, I don't think he deserves to be top ten. Um, he yeah. once he once once he starts to to be a little bit more of a playmaker in that way, I, I think that that's when he'll really uh, vault into that echelon of eliteness. Um, but I do think he'll be honorable mention. Uh, interior defensive line, Kenny Clark needs to be on this list. Needs to be top five. I, I think I think at the absolute worst, top five, um, depending on who they're going to consider as interior defensive line. Um, probably top three in my mind. The Grady Jarrett, Aaron Donalds, Fletcher Cox. Trying to think of other names off the top of my head. But, I mean, Wait, I, I, he's, he's top five. Who, who, who just put like a top interior defensive lineman rating? Who just, wasn't there someone that just did top interior defensive lineman ratings? What, where, didn't they work for like CDS or something? Um, I did not see that, so I'm not sure. Kenny Clark was on there. Aaron Donald was one because he deserves to be one, but I can't remember. Like, Kenny Clark was on there. Cameron Hayward was ranked, like, seventh. I think Kenny Clark was, like, top five, but I can't remember who it was or when it came out or how to find it. So that's what I'm going to be working on. But, yes, Kenny Clark will be on there. If he's not on there, I would be stunned. Like, I that would be a bigger right. shock to me than just about anything else. If he's also the top five. I mean, based off the guys that I'm trying to think of right now, if he's outside the top five, I'd be surprised because I, I just don't know who. Maybe he fall. Maybe he falls under the effect of quote unquote not being known um, and just kind of being the guy who does all the dirty work because he doesn't get a ton of sacks or anything like that. So I don't okay, know. So that's the only thing I could think of. So per CBS, this this is something that uh, when did this come out? Uh, July 7th. So this just came out a few days ago. So I don't even think this is the thing that I'm thinking of. Uh, Kenny Clark came in at third. Uh, it was Donald one and then Chris Jones two. Oh, Chris Jones. Kenny okay. three. Yeah, Chris Jones two. Kenny three. Grady Jarrett four. Fletcher Cox five. DeForest Buckner six. Okay. Cam Hayward seven. Calais Campbell at eight. J.J. Watt, 9, and number 10 was Javon Hargrave. So that's that's mm-hmm. roughly the same list that I was thinking about. I don't know if that's all the same players that it was, but that's – that was yeah, I, Kenny Clark will be top five. Or, well, should be top five, I'll say. Well, with those names, 
top six, I think, guaranteed. Because I, I keep mentioning Grady Jarrett. I think that he gets a little bit more recognition than maybe he should. I'm not. I think Kenny Clark is a better player than Grady Jarrett, but I do think that Grady Jarrett has a little bit more name recognition. Um, so I think maybe he could fall. He could vault Kenny Clark in that discussion. Um, then you got Fletcher Cox, Chris Jones, Aaron Donald. That's four or five guys right there. So uh, I have a quick surprised. question about interior defensive linemen. Do you think that if Kenny Clark was in a four-three like Aaron Donald, or was in a role where his job was to penetrate more than to like soak up blockers, do you think that he would get like? One more sacks and two just more recognition in general. Without a doubt, he'd be on okay. Chris Jones level of recognition. Fair enough. Um, and so let's move on to edge. I think this is where Zadarius again will get snubbed. I think he's a top ten edge player in the NFL. I don't think he's going to make this list as a top ten edge player. I think he'll be an honorable mention. Um, unfortunately, I, the I reason just don't I know think what he needs to do. I think he'll get mentioned just because it'll be executives and coaches and stuff. I think if it was media-based, like if it was, okay, we're going to go to poll all 32 NFL beat writers and ask them to pick, I don't think he would make it. But I think that since they're pulling executives and coaches, I think he will make it at least in the top 10. I just I don't know what other edge defenders you can put it in front of him. Like let's just do a quick exercise. So you're going to put – so you're going to put together a top 10, and Zedarius is not in it. So TJ Watt, Miles Garrett, Khalil Mack, the Chandler Jones, Nick and Joey. Okay. So now we're, we're at six. We're at six mm-hmm. right now. Um, Shaquille Barrett, he'll probably get mentioned. Just because not of all the sacks he had last year? Yep. Okay, so we're at seven now. Like, who are, who are so who are well, Daniil Hunter probably get in there? Daniel Hunter should be in there. This is also what becomes interesting because do you consider J.J. Watt an edge or do you consider him an interior defensive line? This is where I, it, the conversation really I go with IDL just because that's how he was ranked on this CBS list, so that's how I'm Fair ranking enough. him on this here. So T, so the one CBS had was TJ, Miles Garrett, Chandler Jones. Uh, Von Miller. Cameron, Cameron Jordan, Von Miller. So now we're at, we're at nine. We're at nine right now. Yep. If we take Cam Jordan and Shaq Barrett's on this list, Daniel Hunter, the Darius Smith comes in at eight. Uh, then he had also, I think Akeem Hicks has a case to be uh, in the interior defensive line conversation. But oh yes, I actually and then put him. But. Honorable mention for edge rushers were Robert Quinn, Justin Houston, Von Miller, Trey Flowers, and Demarcus Lawrence. So Trey so Flowers I, and Demarcus Lawrence would probably be the only ones that are competing for that last spot with Zadarius. And I think that he is clearly better than both of those players. So I think he should make the top ten, but I could I can foresee a universe where he is in where he's where he's not. I, can, I think I can you have an argument for Demarcus Lawrence. I think Demarcus Lawrence would be his biggest obstacle to get that to, to into the top ten there. Trey Flowers had a surprisingly good year last year. I like oh, I did. know that yeah, that's no, not what yeah. we're here to talk about, but he had a better year than I expected because everyone that leaves New England is bad and he was actually Right, but I mean, so that was good to see for him. I think, um, in terms of a dollar for dollar value and what you're getting production wise, I do think they're not getting enough, which is sound, which is going to sound weird because he did have a good year, but they paid him a lot of money. Um, I, and I don't know if he's living up to that dollar amount yet because it was pushing like twenty mil a year, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was it was big bands. Yeah, big so, bands. Um, you know, but maybe he'll continue to develop and have a really good second year in Detroit. So. 
Um, and then we're not going to spend a lot of time on this last one, but top five kickers in the NFL. Mason Crosby definitely belongs there, if not in the top three. Um, I did pull up a list of the most accurate kickers last year. Let's see here. The top five includes Josh Lambeau, Justin Tucker, Chris Boswell, Dan Bailey, and Mason Crosby. Um, I do believe he's better than Dan Bailey, who's been a journeyman as of late. Chris Boswell, too, is a very solid kicker, but uh, I think Lambeau, Tucker, Boswell, Crosby, I think are your top four. Uh, Will Lutz can t- can enter that conversation as well. Um, Brandon McManus, uh, Matt Prater, probably some other guys that you consider for that top five spot. But I personally I, give a bump to outdoor quarter to outdoor kickers over dome kickers. That's fair. That's fair. But like so, like Will Lutz, Matt Prater, like I'm okay with Matt Prater being behind Mason Crosby, even though Matt Prater is has an absolute nuke attached to his hip. Um, so like Crosby, like I said, he's got still got really good leg strength. He's got he's super clutch. Like there's there's kickers that go up near the end of a game where I'm like, I don't know if this guy's going to make it. But whenever Crosby goes up and it's a big moment, I have confidence in him making 90% of his kicks. I think Justin Tucker is the best kicker in the NFL. I agree with um, that. And then I think you could have an argument for number two between Lambeau and Crosby. I think Boswell is four. Um, that's probably where I'm at. But that's kickers. You have a top five kicker. It, they're all the same at that point, in my opinion, unless you have a guy like a Justin Tucker who's just far and away more talented than everybody else in terms of being a kicker. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I think that, you know, definitely a top five, probably top three kicker in the NFL, and Packers should be very grateful to have a guy like that hanging around. Um, he could probably kick for another <laughs> five, six, seven years if he wanted to. Um, so we'll, we'll see uh, how the uh, how the old man continues to gray, Mason Crosby, him and Aaron Rodgers um, being best buds and all. So, um, anyway, let's, I think it's time to wrap this up. So this was a fun exercise, actually. Um, we talked about it off, offline, what we were going to talk about, and we decided to talk about these lists and this ended up being a pretty good conversation, I think. Um, but if you have anything to add to it, please let us know, um, at Packaday Podcast is the Twitter. Uh, please, please feel free to reach out to them or reach out to myself at Tyler underscore Grez. Um, what was your Twitter handle, Gage? Uh, my Twitter handle is at GBridgefordNFL. There's no E in Bridgeford. doesn't matter how it sounds. Right, and I'm realizing I misspelled that in my notes now, so I'm going to apologize for that. But at the same time... Uh, That's okay, everyone does. <laughs> I actually sat there and debated it for a hot minute. I was like, is there an E in there? I don't think there is, but I'm going to put it in there because it makes sense. So uh, there is no E in Bridgeford. So please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Uh, we're always interacting on, with people on that platform. Um Feel free to uh, like, rate, and subscribe to podcasts on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast, Spotify, iTunes, or Stitcher. Um, those are probably the top three I can come to come to my mind, but I know there's a ton of different third-party apps out there. So whatever whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast, please like, rate, and subscribe. Um, let us know how we're doing um, because we can't get we can't deliver better content if you don't tell us what you want and you don't tell us what we're doing poorly and what we're doing well. Uh, so please let us know how we're doing. Um, reach out to anybody on the Pack a Day podcast team. It's a great team with a lot of great talent and great people. So um, we're approaching that two-year mark. Uh, hopefully you've been here since the beginning because it's been quite a journey. Um, but if, if you haven't and you're just kind of latching on now, um, stay tuned because there's going to be a lot more where this came from. So 
Uh, without further ado, I will let you go. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed our conversation today. Uh, and until next time, go Pack Go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.